Hey guys, welcome back to the Max Spence Business Podcast. Today I have a very special guest, but before I jump into that, if you guys like the content I'm putting out, the people I'm interviewing, please like, subscribe, leave a review. It helps out a ton with the podcast. If you can go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, that helps out a ton as well. So without further ado, today's guest is Seth Ferguson. So he has a 13 year, he has 13 years of experience in the real estate industry. He runs a multifamily investment company offering investment opportunities to high net worth individuals. He has his own cable TV show called Real Estate Simplified, where he has two expert guests on the show and they talk about real estate. Uh, he also has uh, his own podcast, Real Wealth Through Real Estate. Uh, I highly recommend that you go check out his podcast. Um, I believe you're at like 280 episodes now or 276. Well, we're well over 300. That's just oh, we, the stuff that we've got on. We, we, oh, we wow. took off the first like 150. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So he, he's, yeah. So Seth has tons and tons of information. Uh, great, great guests on the show talking, um, you know, from everything about real estate, pretty much underwriting everything, uh, acquisition development. It's awesome. Um, he is also the co-organizer of Canadian Real Estate Investors, uh, a meetup group in the GTA. Uh, and he's also a real estate broker uh, by trade. And uh, it's great having you on the show, Seth. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Awesome, awesome. So uh, just before we actually jump into this, uh, why don't we get a little bit more of an intro about uh, you, who you are, you know, where you grew up and uh, what sort of got you into uh, real estate? Yeah, um, well, I, I for... For the audience members who know the GTA, I grew up in Milton, Ontario, which is just 40 minutes west of uh, Toronto. Um, how I got into real estate had nothing to do with real estate, believe it or not. Uh, my, my dream in uh, my younger days was actually to make the NHL as a hockey referee. Um, I, I was down in the States doing that full-time. That was my full-time job. Did some pro and junior hockey. Um, and then I needed a real job. I I realized that I wasn't going to get rich refereeing hockey unless I made it to the NHL. Um, and you know, that that's a crap shoot. There's so many guys in only so few spots. So I needed a real job. And when I moved back to Ontario to work the OHL and another league, um, I thought real estate would be a flexible type of job I could do that would work well with my hockey dream as I kept chasing that. Uh, my father happened to uh, acquire a real estate brokerage around the same time. So I, I got my license and started working there. Uh, but yeah, it, it all, my real estate career started because of hockey and me trying to make the NHL. So I, obviously I didn't make the NHL uh, because I'm here right now, but uh, I worked with about 10 guys who did make it. So it's pretty cool to flick on the TV and uh, see those guys on the ice every night. Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah. So jump like uh, you, I believe you started off your career as a real estate agent and got your broker. Uh, and then what, uh, and then did you start with pretty much buying like single families, townhouses, condos? Like how would you sort of start uh, in it? Yeah. So I, I was a pretty successful real estate broker. Um, most people would consider what I was making pretty good money. Um, I had the house, I had the nice car, uh, but what was happening was I had all my income coming in and it was going out just as fast uh, because, you know, the, the car lease was a lot of money, but it was a nice car and fun to drive and all that stuff. Uh, so I realized that I needed to start building something because I wanted something left over um, after all my expenses. Um, around that time, I got introduced to some real estate investing books. You know, Robert Kiyosaki, almost every guest I have on my podcast, talks about that book, um, about the cash flow quadrant. Uh, Don Campbell's uh, Real Estate Investing for Canadians, I believe it is. Uh, I, I read that and I started to familiarize. I knew the product because I was selling it on a daily basis, 
But the whole idea of acquiring a portfolio was foreign to me because I didn't have anybody in my circle who was doing that. Um, so I wasn't exposed to the real estate investing side. Uh, so like you said, I started off acquiring single family homes, um, you know, acquired a, a decent uh, dollar value of real estate here in the GTA. It's a very vibrant and uh, high growth market. And then I lost it all uh, that I started all over again. Okay. So, so that's very interesting. Uh, was that part of the 2008 crash at all? Or was that? No, no. Uh, so, so the Coles notes version of that story is um, I started working uh, with uh, who would become my romantic partner at the time. Um, and uh, we built a real estate team and then we started acquiring these properties together. Um, what happened was one night she wiped out the bank accounts, took all the money, changed the locks on the house, uh, stole the car from a parking lot when I was inside the gym. And uh, basically the whole portfolio started burning to the ground because what, like all our rental reserves were gone. She took everything from the bank accounts. Um, and so we have rent, uh, sorry, we have mortgages due. There's no money in the accounts. We had some vacancies in the portfolio and, you know, we were both owners. So she needed to sign the lease agreements and she refused to put people in the properties. So you, you can, you can, you get a yeah. very good idea of, of the bad stuff that happens when you have vacancies, when you have, um, you know, mortgage payments, uh, where there's, there's no money. Uh, it was a very bad situation. So I, I learned a lot of valuable lessons in that. Um, but, but yeah, when, uh, don't buy real estate with crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, um, Bruce, Bruce Firestone. Uh, no. Okay, so he, he he was actually so he he's a pretty big uh, you know developer real estate guy uh, in the Ottawa area. He he actually brought uh, the Ottawa Senate like he founded uh, the modern day Ottawa Senators, sort of was a co-founder of them in the in Ottawa. Um, and he was talking a bit about uh, you know for like these uh, for NFL and NHL players, right? Like they they work really hard, uh, but their finances it's something like seventy five percent of them come out broke. But what he was saying is like he he had this one guy and he told him to put everything. Um, like he, he pretty much gave him a really simple strategy. He, he was an NFL player making, you know, like three or four, you know, like $6 million a year, make, making good money. Right. Um, but they, you know, they spend it a lot and all that sort of stuff. So what he was saying, he's gave him a really simple plan. He was like, just buy single family homes, right. In your local area, uh, f f like buy them total, like just full cash. Right. And only put it in your name. Do not put it in anybody else's name. Do not put it in your agent's name to put, put in your wife, your family members, friends, or anything like that. Um, and he was talking about that. Cause like when they, when these guys get to that level, there's some times where people will, you know, screw them over stuff like all, that all the time. Happens. Yeah. yeah. All <laughs> which, the time. Which, which is crazy, but you, it, it, like you've rebounded, which I, I love is like, you know, um, you, that, that must've been a very, very, like, to be honest, like I've never been through that. Uh, that must've been a very, very difficult time to, for something that to happen to you. Uh, but you know, you, you rebounded and now you're freaking rocking it and killing it. Uh, so I, I, I want to jump into now is like, you have a, you have a multifamily investing uh, company, right? And, and I was looking at your page and you guys uh, own a quite, uh, quite a sizable, sizable property in the US. I think it's like 273 units. Yeah, um, two, two, 278. Yep. Yeah, 278. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So how did you actually get into that? Right? Like that's where, like, that's the end goal where a lot of people start. It's like, they start flipping homes, they start, you know, wholesaling or whatever, right. Or buying small multifamily, but the end goal, like for a lot of people, like, I, I don't like 
from in my sort of view and a lot of like other people that want to get to get to the next level is getting into like those, you know, 80s, 90, 100, you know, 100 plus properties. So how did you actually break into that? Yeah, well, it all started with the single family portfolio. Uh, anybody who's tried building a single family portfolio knows that cash flow is hard to come by, uh, especially with the uh, rental yields uh, these days at, with the state of the market. Uh, financing is incredibly challenging because the lender looks at you as a borrower uh, before they even look at the property. Uh, so that's tough. And then it, it's, it's challenging to bring in outside capital um, into a single family home setup uh, because there's no passive investing component. Everybody's active. Uh, so those were the challenges. And I found that it was very hard to scale because you're always fighting with the lenders to give you more money, even though the portfolio is solid, you're, it's, you're, it's like trying to drive like a square peg through a round hole. It just doesn't work, um, especially if you're self-employed. What changed everything for me into getting into multifamily was when my son was born, um, I, I knew that I needed to, it, it's kind of funny, like you hold your son for the first time. I'm not sure if you have kids or, or not. No. Um, but yeah, you, you hold your son for the first time and it's like in the blink of an eye, you have to be a better person and you're, you're not doing everything for yourself anymore. You're doing it for somebody else. And it was like a total paradigm shift in like a, a blink of an eye. Um, and then, you know, subsequently about a year later, um, you know, the total meltdown occurred, but I, I knew from that point, um, when my son was born, I needed to scale bigger with real estate. I just didn't know the vehicle. Um, I, I researched all the different commercial asset uh, types. So office, retail, industrial, multifamily. I felt I understood multifamily uh, because of my experience on the residential and small plex uh, side of things. It's just basically flips, but on a much larger scale and a much longer timeline. Uh, so that's how I got into the multifamily side. And how you scale with that, it's multifamily has so many benefits. The, the cash flow is much stronger. The debt you can put on the property is much better. The, the terms you can get are much better. And then you're able to raise outside capital through uh, more efficient structures such as syndication or funds. And, allow, and that allows you to partner with passive investors, true passive investors, who can then realize all the tax benefits uh, that come along with real estate investing, the strong cash flow, the appreciation and all that sort of stuff. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So like that, that, that's something I see like uh, a lot is like when people get to like uh, they'll scale up. Right. And that's what they talk about is like, you know, it's, it's so much easier to own a hundred units in one place than a hundred single family homes across like a city or something. Right. Trying to manage that is just a headache. Um, and then also what you're talking about with that is like, you can get a lot more pass investor, the rents are better and it's like economies of scale. Um, so now I want to talk about is like, how, how did you actually, so like the, like, Cause a lot of people I'll see is like, they might buy, you know, maybe a 20 unit or a 30 unit. And then some people will just jump. Like I've had guys on the show that have jumped from like a 12 unit to a hundred plus unit or guys yeah. that have just jumped straight from, you know, z owning zero real estate to 120 unit uh, property. Um, so with that, the, the, the thing I'm trying to uh, like, I find really interesting is like how, how, like, cause I, I, I've, like, you're always in this catch 22, right. It's like, if you're trying to go after one of these bigger properties, right. It's like, you're in a catch 22. Cause it's like, you have to, you don't have like, let's say, you know, you know, 500 units of real estate backing you, like 500 units, like 500 units of real estate backing you or anything like that. Um, so how do you actually get into that? And how do you get into like that sort of like get past that catch 22 
of like yeah. buying the properties, but not having any of the properties. Yeah, for, for sure. Well, for, first of all, you mentioned that there's some guys who jump from zero units to 120 units. If I could go back in time, I wish I would have skipped single family homes and just gone straight into the multifamily side. If I could hop in a time machine, that's what I would tell my previous self. Um, but yeah, it, multifamily is a team sport. Uh, you can take down a 12 unit by yourself, but once you get into the larger uh, types of properties, you need a team. Uh, not one person is acquiring 200 units and doing the whole deal by themselves. Uh, so how somebody can uh, acquire a 200 unit property or a hundred unit property with zero, like zero real estate backing them, no previous portfolio, is you find somebody currently doing the deals at that level and find what you can bring to the table in that potential partnership. So, you know, sometimes people have the deal flow, but they don't have the underwriting. So that's a good partnership. Sometimes people have the deal flow, but they don't have access to capital. Maybe you have a network of high net worth individuals who, who appreciate real estate, who want to invest in real estate, who want to take advantage of, of everything real estate has to offer. Maybe you can bring $5 million, $10 million to that deal and get it involved that way. Um, I, I, I have something called the real estate matrix. And it's basically, you know, four, four pieces of the real estate, um, of a real estate deal. You need the deal itself. You need financing. You need capital, and then you need management. A real estate deal can't happen without any of those four. So just look at the real estate matrix. What can I bring to somebody else who's missing that piece? And that's a good partnership. And, and, and that's how so many people get started in multifamily by, by partnering up with somebody else. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's what, uh, the, that's what a lot of the, the other, the other guys have said as well is like, really like the partnerships of the key is like building that team. So what is your team currently? Like when you were first starting, what was your current team, uh, look like, were you the guy that was like chasing down the deals, underwriting it? Were you bringing the capital? Uh, like how did you sort of build that team around your own, uh, you know, base skills? Yeah. So, so with the 278 deal, you know, there's a, a, a very good group of guys, uh, involved in that deal. And uh, I brought capital to the mix. Um, you know, they, they had the, they were approached with the deal and everything made sense. Um, and, and yeah, it, it's like, what can you bring to that, to the equation to make the deal happen? Uh, you know, with coronavirus right now, uh, you know, I, I don't really feel like flying down and flying back and having to quarantine for uh, two weeks. So it, it makes it hard chasing deals in the U.S., um, so we are actually looking, a number of my Canadian investors um, have asked me if I'd be interested in doing a Canadian deal. So we're currently setting uh, the groundwork uh, to do uh, a few Canadian deals as well as uh, some uh, deals across the border. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's what I see. Like, I, 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 um, uh, like quite a few Canadian people, uh, well, Canadian investors will go across the U S to find those hundred plus deals just because there's more of them, uh, that they're like, for, like I've sort of looked myself and it's like, you can go into any market and you can find a hundred, like multiple hundred plus units. But here it's like, if you look here, um, you know, you, you, you start looking like an auto or other places, it's like hard to find like, you know, 10 to 20 of these deals that you can actually go through or like trying to find off mark like and then if you try and go well, into off of the off market space then you're like you know it's, it's very tight-knit groups of like investors that sort of hold and they'll trade amongst themselves and they also know each other so trying to get into that i find is a little bit difficult so how, how, how did you sort of uh or what, what were you going to say 
Well, I was just going to say, you know, the majority of deals happen without the general public ever knowing about them. Um, so, so if somebody's looking for multifamily real estate and they're just hopping on, you know, uh, loop net trying to find the deals, like they're missing 99% of the deals that happen. Uh, so, so it's all about building your network, getting in front of the brokers that have that market share and, uh, and networking with everybody else. Like real estate's an interesting business because everybody in one sense is competing against each other. But then on the flip side, it's a very collaborative type of industry where, you know, you have to work with your still quote unquote competitors for a deal even to happen. So it, I, I like it for that aspect, but yeah, there's deals out there. And, and in, you know, using the GTA as an example, there are a ton, a ton of hundred unit plus purpose-built rental properties out there. You just have to know who to talk to. Oh, okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, that, that, that's really interesting. So with, with focusing on like you guys are now focusing on getting, acquiring uh, properties in Canada now. Uh, so what's like, if, if you don't mind talking, I would love to hear your process of actually how you guys are doing that. Like, how did you sort of like, um, like, are you networking with brokers first? Or are you networking with, uh, you know, the actual property owners, uh, like the investment firms that actually own these properties, property management companies, like how are you sort of finding these deals? All three. All three. <laughs> so, but, uh, but, but realist, realistically speaking, um, if somebody owns the property and they're looking to sell nine times out of 10, they're calling their broker because the, the broker's job is to get them the most amount of money. Um, and, and if you're a very good real estate broker, you will do that and, and you pay for yourself. Um, so most of your deal flow will come through your broker relationships. That's just the name of the game. Uh, you see a lot, a lot on the internet, oh, go direct to seller and they, they talk it up. But if you look at, in a percent, at a percentage basis of how deals are acquired, um, especially in a, a more sophisticated type of level in that, you know, 100, you know, 75 unit range and up, uh, chances are it's coming through a real estate broker. So those types of relationships are extremely important. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, and, and that, that, yeah, that, that, pretty, that pretty much is key to finding those deals. Right. So uh, like, what's your current, like, just to sort of give some uh, uh, like, sort of like look into it is like, what's your current team setup? Like, uh, are, are you still the, 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 the capital guy or have you changed positions now or sort of? Yeah. Well, you're, you're never not the capital guy. Uh, the, the reason is uh, you know, I, one thing I like to say is, you know, we're not in the real estate business. We're in the capital business. Real estate just happens to be the vehicle we use to put the capital to work. Uh, so, so you're never not the capital guy. And, you know, I, I enjoy speaking with investors, um, what the different uh, assets we have out there in terms of uh, the TV show, the podcast, our YouTube channel and some other stuff we're, we're doing. Uh, people want to speak with me about it and I'm happy to speak with them and, and share everything I, I know about it. Um, we, we are looking to grow. And like I said, it's all about partnerships. Uh, so for me thinking strategically, uh, like we're starting from square one in Ontario um, because we don't, we don't have a current property in, in Ontario. So the thought process is, okay, well, who, who can we partner with? who can bring something else to, to the table and where we can all benefit and do better deals. So instead of thinking about the capital side or who, you know, who I have to hire, the better question is, well, who can I partner with? Because not only is it better, like you're going to grow exponentially faster that way, you know, 
it's just, you know, one plus one equals three in that case, rather than two. Um, so, so for, for me, I'm focused on the, the partnership aspect and that's how, if you look at all this, you know, I, I've had over, we're probably 375 interviews on the podcast, all the truly, truly successful investors operating at that high level. Like we've had three guys running billion dollar operations. Um, it, it all comes back to the partnerships, uh, not, you know, how many hours you're working because you, you know, you can only work so many hours, but you partner, you, you can, you know, 5x or 10x your business overnight through the right partnership. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Um, and, and, and that's what like, uh, a, a, a lot of investors I, I see doing right is like, um, you know, is, is, is having those partnerships and those partnerships are key um, to pretty much going faster and going larger. Uh, and I, I, I know personally, because I've, I have an interest in real estate is like, I'm trying to figure that out right now. It's like, um, is like how to sort of get into it and stuff and like how, how to get into like uh, multifamily um, and sort of like uh, pretty much in, in the auto area, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be putting together like a local uh, a local meetup group of like young 20 year olds, um, yeah. that, you know, have an interest in real estate and, you know, have a uh, perspective like um, real estate investors that have a lot of experience coming in, talk to us, um, you know, and I, I think that's going to be a great way to sort of try and get some partnerships built. Um, but sort of moving forward now is, uh, so I, I, I recently had a guy on called, um, uh, Bridger, uh, Bridger, Bridger Pennington. So th this guy is like, he's from the U S uh, and he, he, uh, he pretty much like, he runs a lot of stuff about teaching people how to start funds. Right. Uh, yeah. so for, for you guys, do you guys still do, uh, syndications or do you guys do only funds now or how, what, what, sort of your structure layout? Yeah, so syndication is the preferred uh, model for me. That there's there's pros and cons to whether you syndicate a deal and operate a fund. Um, I, I would I would say most syndicators eventually will end up uh, creating a fund. Uh, the reason is uh, with the, with the fund you have the money ready to go. Your powder is always dry. You can acquire an asset the next day. Uh, the investors invest in one fund and that money is diversified throughout the fund. Um, and it just gives the operator, an experienced operator, uh, more to play with um, in that fund structure. On the syndication side, uh, there's many advantages to syndication. Uh, number one is as a real estate investor, I have control over where my money is going. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, if if a sponsor approaches me and says, Hey, listen, I have this deal. Would you like to invest in it? If it doesn't meet my criteria, I can say no, or I can say, yes, the choice is mine. In a fund structure, the investor is really investing in the fund criteria. The fund will say, okay, we're looking to acquire these types of properties, but once your money's in the fund, it's being invested by the fund manager. You can't say, no, I don't want to invest in this deal. You have no say. Um, so it all depends on what the passive investor is looking for. Um, but, and from the, uh, from the operator side, one, one thing that uh, has been you know, told to me from more experienced people is a fund can be a double-edged sword. Number one, you have the money ready to rock and roll if you have a, a deal. But number two, if you don't have a deal, like you still owe your investors a return on that money. And it's almost like the guillotine hanging over your head. Um, if you, if you don't have a, uh, the deal flow coming in and if the market's quite hot and deal flow is hard to come by, uh, you know, that, that money starts uh, looming pretty large over top of you. Um, so there's pros and cons. There's not one way that's better than the other. It, it all comes down to the operators, 
uh, preferences, the team they have set up, uh, their deal flow levels and, and all that stuff and what they're looking to do. And it all comes down to the investor's preference. Do they want a, a fund structure? Do they prefer syndicating? Uh, pros and cons. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And, and, and how, like, uh, how, how I sort of see is like sort of syndications are really good for building your track record. Uh, and then once you start sort of start that fund, but like with the fund, like you were saying, is like you have to have that process. You have to have a process already built. You have to have like the deal flow that's coming in. Because if you just start a fund and you just have like, let's say a $50 million fund, you just have $50 million sitting in the bank and you don't have a deal flow, then you're sort of like, you're, you're, you're going to crush your business, right? So having yeah, like- but, but, but there's, there's, there's people- who have very large portfolios who never start a fund and they syndicate. So it's not, you know, it's not like you graduate from syndicating to a fund. It's whatever your business plans are and what your investor database is looking for. So there's no, there's, I, I don't know, there's no better way to do it. It's just different. That's all. Ah, okay. So it's just pretty much what, like you're saying, it's just your business plan and what it sort of works out to be. Um, so, so now, now I want to talk about is, um, so like, the, it looks like the, the first prop, like the first, like, you know, hundred plus unit property you bought was in the U S. Um, so what, what made you actually, uh, talking a little bit about the U S and Canada, what, what are the differences between the multifamily markets and why did you choose to go to the U S uh, first? Yeah, well, I, I think there are several advantages to investing in the U.S. Uh, number one, uh, rent control. Uh, now, obviously, that varies on a city by city or state by state basis, depending on where you are. Ontario is extremely restrictive in what you in what you can do. Rent control has absolutely, uh, you know, devastated, uh, you know, the, the housing market here. It has actually exacerbated the, the problem of affordable housing instead of making it better. Uh, I could rant for about four hours on, on the topic of rent control. I'll, I'll spare you that. Um, but, but rent control is, is very restrictive here in Ontario. And one of the challenges is, you know, if you're an investor and you're putting your money at risk in the market, you should be able to earn a reasonable return based on the amount of risk that you are taking by investing your money. Uh, rent control uh, stops you from being able to do that. And, and, and what ends up happening is you have these properties where it doesn't make sense for the owner to put money back into these properties in a value add type of play because they can't recapture it. Um, in the US, depending on your market. So for instance, if we look at Texas, which is a freedom market, I, I call it freedom. Um, you know, you can, you can raise the rents. If, if you do um, X, X, Y, and Z uh, types of renovations, you can raise the rents. The market dictates what you can get. So if you raise the rents too much, your tenants will leave. And, and the market forces you to lower your rents. It, the, the free market takes care of itself uh, without government intervention. So, and then you look at California, they recently introduced rent control. It's not as restrictive as Ontario, but it's still something to watch out for. And I, I just released a video on YouTube, uh, actually this morning it came out, where I talk about rent control being a trend to watch for in 2021. Uh, so rent control, definitely one reason. The scale at which uh, the scale of the U.S. market is just huge. In Canada, we've got Toronto and Vancouver as your, you know, your, your A-type uh, markets. Uh, in the U.S., they, they just dwarf us in terms of population. Uh, so there are more large uh, markets to look at. Um, and then you have uh, just the U.S. is a capital juggernaut 
Um, so that, that's definitely an advantage as well. Um, and then we have uh, different tax laws in the US for what we can do. We have, uh, when we're looking at depreciation, uh, the depreciation works a whole lot differently. We can actually, through cost segregation, front load depreciation. What that means is an investor, they, they invest their capital in a real estate deal. Through segrega uh, cost segregation, we can front load all the depreciation that would normally extend over 39 years to the first, let's say, five years. So you close on the deal, deal on day one, and you have a paper loss that wipes out almost all the tax you're going to pay on the deal. <laughs> so uh, it, it's very advantageous um, as a passive real estate investor. And this is why a lot of net high net worth people like investing in real estate, because not only is their money being put to work and it works very hard, uh, they also can uh, take advantage of all these tax benefits and limit their tax liability. Uh, Canada has a different way of setting that up. Um, so it, it's just two different countries, two different tax codes, different ways of uh, doing business. But I would say though, those top three, I rambled, but uh, for the, uh, the bullet points is, uh, uh, oh, now I have to go back in time. Oh yeah, uh, tax <laughs> benefits. And then you have this, the scale and then you have rent control. Yeah, yeah, no, no, 100%. And yeah, that, 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 yeah, like, one thing you actually said there was that was really awesome was like the like the U.S. is like a capital, uh, a heavy cap. Like the, I, I think it's a lot easier to raise. I, I don't know if this is true, but I, I, I just feel like it's a lot easier to raise money, uh, like high quantities of money in the U.S. compared to Canada, just because there's more. Um, like what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think it's easier to raise money in the U.S. or, well, or? there, there is a tremendous amount of capital here in Canada. Um, that, that wants to be put to work. There, there is so much capital right now looking for good opportunities. It, it, it blows your mind um, if you're not involved in the capital raising space, how much money there is looking for opportunities. Uh, the US just by population size, like it, it just dwarfs us. So obviously there are more investors there. Um, and you look at, depending on the markets, like right now in the US, I, I find it extremely fascinating to look at the interstate migration, where we have people leaving the two coasts from California and New York, those sides and every, and people are moving to the south, uh, southern states, where you have better taxes, you have more GDP growth, more job opportunities. And I think over the next 20 years, we're going to see a huge uh, shift in terms of uh, migration and where the population is situated in, in the US. And I think that presents a whole lot of opportunity. Not saying that opportunity doesn't exist in Canada because it does. Uh, we, we have a, a similar, in fact, not between provinces, but between cities where we have people being priced out of Toronto and they're moving uh, further out and it's like the epicenter and it just grows from there. It's just, it's it's hard to make generalizations about markets and countries. Um, it's just it's just different. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, like that. Actually, I've I've seen that a bit, and a few different people talked about that. Was like from the east coast and the west coast about people moving in, going to Texas, and going to these different places, and like uh, those markets are exploding. Yeah. Um, you, you can't you can't tax business to death because they will leave. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, hundred percent, right? It's like entrepreneurs will go somewhere else, um, and and that's something that uh, you know, like the I I I don't know, like uh, if you heard like uh, the government, it, it was in the media a bit where they they were like, oh, you know, you should you should be start taxing all these billionaires and stuff like that, giving them like insane taxes, and I'm like, 
I'm like, well, what they're going to do if they get insane taxes, they're just going to move to somewhere else, right? They, they have the, like, they have the money and the power to move to and live wherever they want to do. Wherever yeah, they you, do right? yeah the, 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 the whole idea, the whole idea between uh, behind, you know, the tax code and real estate investing is you actually want to make it beneficial to the individual who has the capital to invest, to put it into the market, because that creates more jobs and increases GDP and, and that creates more wealth. Um, that, that, that's why we have so many tax advantages when it comes to real estate investing, because the government actually wants us to invest in real estate, put the money to work and, and create those job opportunities and, and grow the, the GDP. Um, yeah. Anyways, that, that's going to be the start of another rant. So. <laughs> no, 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 that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I now want to jump to um, pretty much like the, the last like sort of like uh, I think it'd be like 15 minutes here, uh, yeah. just sort of on like advice and you giving advice to like, uh, you know, people in their area, you know, because like because of the internet and because like YouTube and, um, you know, podcasts and all this like information is so accessible. Uh, so a lot of younger people are wanting to get into real estate um, and, you know, become real estate investors and get all that sort of like, you know, 20, like uh, I talked to my friends and a lot of them are like, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, like 23, 24. Right. And everybody's wanting to get into real estate. So what, what would be your advice to those type of people? Like what, what could they do? Um, pretty much today to start getting involved in multifamily real estate. Yeah. Well, I just want to say, I, even though I'm not that old, I got a couple of gray hairs. I'm 30, 34 now. Um, the, the wealth of information out there was not around when I first started in real estate. It just didn't exist. I, I wish, I wish I was starting now with everything available because it, it would have changed things a lot. Um, the, the best thing somebody can do is don't listen to the people around you. Um, and, and I say that quite seriously, because what happens is, let's say you're a young person right now and you go tell your parents, hey, mom, dad, I, I want to get involved in multifamily real estate investing. The majority of parents would discourage their child from doing that. Oh, that's risky. Are you sure you're ready? And uh, all these things. You can't listen to that because uh, what, what it comes down to is, you know, the person discouraging you from taking that opportunity Look at their balance sheet. You know, what are they worth? What have they done? Chances are they haven't really done very much. So don't let your inner circle, because you haven't developed your network of people actually doing it yet. Uh, for, for myself, when I first started in real estate, like, like I said at, at the start, I didn't have anybody in my family who was a successful real estate investor. I wasn't exposed to it. But by building your network and changing out the people in, in your inner circle, you can now bring in people where they are successful in real estate. They are the go-getters. They, they are thinking bigger. Um, when you're first starting out, you don't have that the luxury of that network. So you just have to be very mentally tough and not listening to the people around you because they're the wrong people. You, you have to really focus on, on kicking those people out of your inner circle and bringing in new people. That, that, I would say that's number one for sure. That, that's number one. Like, just, just for, like, if, if, if you have a passion and a goal of getting into multifamily, just go, just push through and steep, keep going towards that goal. Uh, so, so what, what can, what, what other things can people like, you know, the young generation, let's say they're, they're at a uh, university or, you know, just getting out of high school and uh, like for them, it's like, uh, and I've sort of seen it a lot and I've heard a lot. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm 20 years old is like, everybody's like, Oh, you know, you're young, you're too young to do that. Or you're, you're too young to, and that, 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 that doesn't really stop me. Um, I'm just like, dude, like uh, I've, I've had enough guys on the show that are like 
23, 25 that are absolutely crushing it in multifamily. And they started when they were 19 or 20 and they did it. Um, but for, for them, it's, it's, it's uh, like they, they, just, they just pretty much just turned into like uh, a steamroll and just kept going forward. Like no matter what, yeah. like no matter what happened, they just kept pushing forward. Um, so now focusing like to, to give a little bit more information, like what, 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 like what can uh, these young people do to like start learning more, getting more knowledge and start getting actually uh, into it. Um, and, you know, maybe getting over the fear of actually jumping in and getting into it. Well, there is no fear. <laughs> like you can't have fear. What's the worst thing that can happen? You know, I, I would say if you do like a pros and cons list, the, uh, the, the impact of not doing anything is far scarier than actually doing something. Uh, real estate is a people business. It's a contact sport. Uh, so if you're looking to get into anything, you have to start meeting people. Uh, starting to attend a meetup group. Uh, you know, you're, you're going to be starting a, a group. There's meetup groups all over the place. I run one here in the GTA. Uh, this is where you can actually rub shoulders and talk with people actively involved in the business. And this is where potential opportunities come from. Let's say you're 19. You might want to partner with somebody who has a little bit of gray hair. And real estate investors like some gray hair in the deal. So you have the young, uh, young energy. You've got the old experienced veteran. That's a great pairing and investors feel very comfortable with that. Um, so you, you just have to start meeting people and telling people what you want to do. Uh, you can't be a closet real estate investor. And so many times, you know, you're just talking and you just mentioned what you, what you do for a living. Um, and that just opens up a, a doorway or, or a pathway towards something that never would have been there if you had just kept your mouth shut. Um, and real estate is one of the great businesses where everybody likes to talk about it. So if somebody finds out you're a real estate investor, or you want to start investing in real estate, uh, chances are you can have a pretty good conversation with them and they might turn into a potential investor down the road. Awesome. 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 So with that, like, what, what would you recommend focusing on? Like, 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 like a, a younger person, would it be like, Hey, like learn the financials, learn how to underwrite or like fine. Cause it's like, there's a lot of like, when you're building that team, right. There's a lot of like, uh, and that also comes down to like personal, like, what do you enjoy doing most? Do you like, do you like yeah. people and you love like networking and you're really good at like sales and networking and raising capital? Or are you like more analytical and you really like, you know, sitting down with a spreadsheet and just crushing numbers uh, all day? Or do you like, you know, like, like, you know, maybe going out and finding deals, like chasing things down, like, you know, chasing deals down and actually finding them. So yeah. So like with that, like with giving advice, it's a little bit difficult because it's like, you know, it comes down to like everybody's personality and what they actually enjoy doing. Um, but like, is there like, what, what, like for, for yourself, actually, what was like, what do you enjoy doing the most, um, in, in sort of the business? Yeah. I I'm not a spreadsheet person. Now that, that being said, you have to be competent and be able to do the underwriting, right? Like you have to have competence and all. Um, but it, it like you mentioned, it, it all comes down to personality. The person who is an exceptional underwriter who knows the spreadsheets in and out likely will not be the best person raising capital. It, it's just personality type. Um, so I, I think somebody looking to get started, they have to take a very, they have to take a realistic look at what their personality lends itself to the best. Um, are they a numbers person? Are they very analytical? In that case, if you enjoy underwriting and, and you can become the best underwriter possible, you are very, very attractive to somebody who has the capital, but doesn't have the underwriting experience. And we go back to the real estate matrix, you know, we have somebody with capital and a deal, but they don't have the management or the operations side, you know, underwriting falls into that, that quadrant. 
you know, that, that's a very powerful partnership. Uh, maybe you're a really good person, you have a good network, uh, but you can't underwrite a deal to save your life. Well, then you need to start seeking out somebody who can underwrite those deals and, and make those rational decisions based on the numbers, not on emotion. Um, so I, I would say if somebody's sitting there right now, you have to, you have to learn about everything. You have to be competent, but as you start, you know, underwrite a hundred deals that you just find on the internet. It doesn't matter, you know, when they were sold, just underwrite a hundred deals, then call a hundred people and start talking about uh, real estate. Start sampling all the, all the different facets of a real estate deal. And very quickly, you'll find that what you're really good at, you might find you suck at underwriting. If that's the case, okay, get better at it, but focus on raising capital because you'll be far more valuable to somebody um, just, just playing on your strength. Yeah, yeah, no, no, 100%. And that's what, like, um, uh, 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 like uh, for, for me, when I, when I was first finding out about real estate, it's like, you know, you, you, it's like, um, I didn't really see it as a business, but it, it, it is a business. Like, it, it is a legit business, right? And in the business, you have everybody that has, like, a very like you, you'd want somebody who in that sort of role is like let's say underwriting that actually loves doing that instead of trying to get somebody that you know is more of a salesperson trying to do the underwriting right <laughs> which which never really doesn't really work out too well but yeah and that's the advantage of multifamily um because of the scale you're able to bring in people who specialize in their job it's not like if you're buying a single family home you have to wear five different hats no, in a multifamily deal, you have your expert underwriter and all they're doing is underwriting. Then you have the person raising capital. That's all they're doing. Then you have the construction manager. If you have a heavy lift, that's all they're doing is managing the construction. So you have very uh, specific skill sets being applied in the most efficient way possible in that multifamily deal, rather than just one person trying to do everything and a jack of all trades, master of none. Right. And, and yeah. it's so true. And the other thing you mentioned about real estate being a business, it is a business. Don't, don't kid yourself. Uh, the people who get into real estate investing and leave very quickly are the people who don't treat it as a business. We are dealing with large sums of money. We're dealing with real property and it's worth uh, quite a bit. Uh, you can't come in as, you know, just on a whim as a hobby. Uh, the market will spit you out pretty fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, 100%. So uh, we're coming to the end here. Where, where can, uh, yeah, thank you, Seth, for coming on the show. You, you dropped tons of knowledge and I love that. Uh, where can people find out more, uh, you know, more about you, more about your meetup, your podcast, uh, your show and anything else that you have going on? Yeah, for, for sure. If you're in the GTA, um, you can uh, go on uh, Coachco and find Real Estate Simplified, the TV, uh, the TV show. Uh, just search uh, Real Wealth Through Real Estate, which is my podcast. You can find it on iTunes and all the other platforms. Um, and then you can find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Seth Ferguson. We post a new multifamily video every week and please subscribe. And, uh, and then we have a big announcement. So uh, my website is sethferguson.org or you can go to multifamilyinvestments.co. Uh, we are hosting the multifamily conference event of the year in March, 2022. We got delayed because of coronavirus, but we do have a big name from Shark Tank coming in to speak and we have all sorts of other multifamily experts. So uh, definitely check out uh, multifamilyconference.ca and uh, you can register to get the, the early bird tickets and all that stuff. Really excited about the event. Uh, we, we just did, we are, are just announcing it now. So uh, your listeners have a sneak peek at what's going on. Awesome. Awesome. Well, th thank you again, Seth, for uh, coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, Max. Uh, good job. <laughs>